Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. This is my honor always to welcome the guests. And I like to really take a little time right here for me personally to welcome them and want to say thank you for a couple of things that I deem very, very important because of my journey and what I've discovered. First is their time. Jamar, thank you for your time because that thing is so precious, man. And a lot of people don't understand the true value of it while they're visiting here on the earth. They spend it just like it is, have no value. But I want to thank you for coming and spend some of it with us. The other is your journey because in that journey, it was who you were and it created who you are today. And so I want to thank you for coming and sharing some of that information with us so that me and my audience can become better human spirits, I tell people. Welcome, man, to Threads of Enlightenment. Man, it's a pleasure. And um, speaking to the time, you know, that's something I've been really big on the past year. And so just being present in each moment, each moment is so precious. And so coming and being able to talk about my story, what got me to where I am, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm going to enjoy every single moment we get to spend together on this podcast. I, I truly love speaking about my story, so I'm excited for all of it. Excellent, man. Tell them a little about what you have created because of your story, because I tell them what happens is that when we are in our journey and so forth, we get pregnant. And then when we get out of this um, journey, we began to deliver things. And I call those things that we created. Those are our children that we have given birth uh, to. Talk to us about some of those children that you have given birth due to your journey. It's funny you say that. I always call my podcast my baby. Like, it's like, <laughs> I always say this is like my baby. It's never going anywhere. You know, I'll always yeah. take care of it. And so for me, I had this journey um, in college. You know, I was mm -hmm. majoring in something that I thought I really liked, but I didn't really enjoy the journey of it. I enjoyed yeah. the thought, the idea of it, but I enjoyed the day-to-day -day process of it. And so during COVID, I got pregnant. I got pregnant yeah. with the idea of, you know, I wanted to do something that I absolutely love to do. And I thought that was probably the most important thing that all of us could have is to have a passion for something and to do it, you know, not even for the results, but because of the actual journey. I became in love with, you know, each moment of doing what I love to do. And so I became so enthralled with this idea. I wanted to do something. And so I decided to make a podcast about it. And so I spent the entire pandemic just figuring out how to make a podcast. I spent... <laughs> hours on hours every day journaling what I wanted to talk about. And then whatever I figured out I wanted to talk about, I then wrote another journal about all those <laughs> things and all the stories that relate. That's why I think this is about to be an amazing episode because it's like everything. And so I went through like my life, you know, for this podcast and was, and then it just became like my thing and I'm still doing it today. And it's evolved in, into a show where I go through the day in the life and I try people's passions out with them. And then I interview them. It, it's become this whole thing. It's just become like, it, it captivated my life. And so I became pregnant with it off of just like people just saying, you, you might be able to do a podcast. Like you, they hear me talk. They say, I think you could do a podcast. <laughs> and, um, I just ran with it. And then every time I doubted myself, I just said, keep going anyway, because what you had in the past wasn't something you actually enjoyed doing. And so I found something yeah. where even when I wasn't doing good, I still wanted to keep going. And so I became pregnant and then I, I had birth and I'm never looking back. Tell them the name of the podcast because oh, I want, I'm going to tell them to come to you because I want them to um, 
listen to passion because I tell people if you listen to passion, it'll change your life. So what's the name of your um, podcast? Yeah, my, my podcast name is Root of Everything. So my name is Jamar Root. I go by Root of Jamar on Instagram. And so it's it's heavily connected. Root of Everything. Check it out on YouTube so you can see the full show with me going through the day in life and interviewing Root of Everything, R-O-O-T-O-F, then everything. Excellent. I I have um, five boys and I would say to my boys, find your passion and be passionate about it. Mm, that, when that. you live like that, mm-hmm. all the, I think this is the way by which we overcome uh, all of the fears and the the um, burnout and all the different things because yeah. we're not passionate about something. Because when you are passionate about something, you work 200,000 hours a minute and you don't even feel it. So um, I want to take you back a little because our journey always starts when we were young, because I tell people something happened there that began to formulate our thought pattern. It deposited something within us. And as a result, we began to look at the world a certain way, began to perceive it. I believe our parents are traumatized. Everyone on this planet, I believe, mm-hmm. is uh, came from a space of trauma. If you've seen, I'm sure you've seen some movie about it. I actually was there watching my sons when they were born, and it was a mess, mm-hmm. and it was traumatizing for my wife and for the me because I was uh, my first time remember seeing that. I was traumatized, but um, I made sure I made it for every one of my boys. So here... Um, as our parents, I believe, uh, are traumatized, they perceive the world a certain way. Mm-hmm. And based on their perception, they now began to deposit things into us. What was your family like? And talk to us about that. Yeah, so I grew up with my father and my mom, great parents to this day, best parents I could ever ask for. I'm not going to say perfect, but they're the best I could have asked for. Had a loving mom, loving dad. Um, dad who was giving me advice from, from the beginning of time, mom who was giving me advice, but also at the same time I was studying her and the way she moved around. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think everything I do is from them. And then it's this whole nother like variable. That's just me. Yeah. But I take my, my hard work, my discipline, my, um, attention to detail from my father. Um, you know, coming up, he, I could always count on my dad. It was, if he was going to do something, you knew he was going to do it if he said it. Um, and if he told you to do something, he he was counting on you to do the same that he would do. And so I yeah. learned that from my dad. My dad never gave up. My dad was the type to, if I had geometry homework and I had no idea how to do it, he would sit there throughout the depths of the night and he would try to figure out that problem with me. And so hmm. I developed you know, this relationship with my dad where it was like, you just never quit. It was just yeah. like, you never quit. That's what I got from him. You know, there's things I wanted to quit in my life, but my dad was just like, you never quit. You finish what you start. And so I got that discipline, that hard work, that um commitment from my dad. Um, So I, I got so much from them. My mom is so much of this free spirit. Like my mom is somebody that is kind of like, I'm going to be myself regardless. And if you don't like it, I don't care. You know, very much <laughs> yeah. like that. She will be dancing around the house. She's going to be doing what she wants. And so I think, Seeing those two, like the kind of opposites, but I like was able to weld those two together. And that's what you get. That's what you get with me. You get somebody who's consistent, who's dedicated to all these things. But then also you're going to see somebody who just doesn't care what you think. He's going to be him. And so like seeing my parents do that was a thing. And then I also had a little sister. So I um, don't even even feel like a little sister because she's just one year younger than me. And then she's like, this complete wild card. So it's a constant feud with me and her, but now we've grown to love each other so much, but like it was a constant feud growing up. And so I dealt with constant um, challenges, not even challenges, but just somebody banging your head against each other. You know, we have a room right next to each other. So I dealt with all those things growing up, but it was an amazing experience and it definitely made me who I am today. Those are some good qualities to um, receive from your parents to um, help you to begin your journey. Mm-hmm. It, both of those qualities are absolutely essential, I believe, for one to adapt, bring into their space. And then, as you said, you create your own um, identity within that as you move through life. That's a principle and that's a great uh, start, if you will. So talk to me as you have, uh, you're started with these beautiful principles you're learning from your sister. She's teaching you 
how to expand your yourself and um and how to manage your emotions and all of these different mm-hmm. things as you're moving through life mark you're in in your school now how did you relate to all of your you know schoolmates and um with this infusion from your parents and this uh, mix between your sister as you began to step out of the family yeah when i going to school honestly i was shy early on in school kindergarten first grade second third fourth fifth sixth seventh i was shy <laughs> um i don't know there was something in me that was just afraid of what people thought straight up mm. and so i was always like oh like like i was and then i would do things that like i thought would allow people to like fit me in but the thing that always allowed me to relate early on was sports and so I Let me played, ask you a question. Let me, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Where mm-hmm. did you think you picked that up from? Um, picked what up? That not that that part of you where you says you you were shy. Mm-hmm. Where did you think you got it from? I mean, listening to you about your mother, who is someone is free spirited and out mm-hmm. there, and your dad, who is more methodical in his processing. Mm-hmm. Where did you uh, pick up that? Uh, piece of your personality as you're moving through life. Do you do you think you can recollect that, or is just something that you know that's how you were? You know, now that I think about it, um, you know, you look at like say my mom, my dad. Mm-hmm. You see who they are in the household. You see who they are with their family. But when they're outside of that, maybe not so much. Like my mom, yeah. free spirited, like gonna do whatever. Maybe you see her at work. You're not gonna see all that because yeah. she's having to fit into whatever she needs to do. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I always joke with my mom. My mom would talk crazy to everybody. But the moment there's something serious on the phone, her voice completely changes, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think, not, without really knowing what I was doing, yeah, I thought that we couldn't be ourselves when we stepped out of the house. I thought gotcha. we had to go to school and fit in. I thought we had to do what we were doing. And to an extent, you know, you go to school, you got to do what you're told. Mm-hmm. And so I think... When I was stepping out of the house, going to school, doing whatever, I had to fit in and be like everybody else. That's what I was. I think that was the um the reason for me being shy or for me doing certain things. And it was also just wanting to feel welcomed. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if people would accept the real me. Wow. Um, the reason why I went back there because it, again we start forming ideas and little things about uh, our lives, and you start seeing some. Mm-hmm. some little threads that we pick up within our personality. And I always like to take us back and locate, if we can locate that, because mm-hmm. that uh, that part of us uh, carries along with us for a little while. Sure. <laughs> and then we have to learn how to face that and how to begin to change that approach and that mindset. So here you are, you're, you're a little shy or um, you, you're about to talk about sports. Talk to me about sports and what did sports do to you because um it seems now that it's it is causing you it can cause you to come out a little out of that shyness talk to me about sports and how you relate uh, through that yeah sports is another one of those just like foundational things that made me who i am um mm-hmm. i was always from from birth i was playing in the playground i was getting dirty i was it's just where I was. Like, I may have been shy in school, but the moment recess hit, um, yeah. I was going crazy. And so I think sports was always an outlet for me, an outlet for me to just be all out with whatever it was. And I'm a naturally competitive person. Like, mm-hmm. it could be something that doesn't really matter. Like, it could be a family reunion and we're playing cards. <laughs> I'm making sure I win this game. You know, it's just, yeah. it's something in my blood. And so I think sports just taught me Similar to my dad, just discipline, working hard every day. But also, I think the number one thing I got from sports was just like giving it your all at all times. And that wasn't something I saw from my teammates. It was just something my body could not do. Like I would go on the field. I'm just giving it my all. I'm diving on the floor for the ball. I'm doing whatever I have to do, whether it's baseball, basketball, whatever. And so and it was it was also learning how to achieve a goal with other people, you know. And so it was I won it bad then also getting other people to understand how bad we should really want it mm-hmm. and like not caring if, you know, because the goal was just so important to me. When I go, went to school, it wasn't really a goal here. It was just kind of had to do this. But when I was, when I was playing baseball, it was like, we need to win that trophy. <laughs> um, I didn't care what nobody thought we need to win this. And, um, 
And it was also dealing with different types of people. You know, I went to private school my whole life. Um, And so when I went and played ball, we all came from different types of backgrounds. And so I started to learn about different ways about life that people went about it. Like you just start realizing Mm -hmm. people are brought up, parented different, you know? And that combined with the competitive nature, it just made me, I think that kind of, I think that was always what kind of slowly brought me out of my shyness because if you were to watch me play, you would think there's no way that person is shy because they're just yeah, so yeah. out there with everything. Yeah, I think um, I know as far as competitiveness. Yeah, man, you put. Uh, oh man, I, I mean, that's another subject, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty competitive. Um, I'm very quiet, mm-hmm. uh, but highly competitive. Mm. I just don't like losing. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with losing because it, you know it's part of playing. But I play. And I remember playing ball, you know, hours. We'd get home and be four in the morning playing ball, man. Um, my friends, I have a bunch of friends tomorrow. Uh, we were really competitive. I'll tell you how com- competitive we were. Uh, we used to send to each other's job singing telegram, telling them how we're going to kick their butt after we get off from work. Cause we used to play racquetball and stuff like that. And so, um, me and my boys, I mean, all over, we would send singing telegrams to people's jobs, man. That's how bad we were mm-hmm. and competitive with our sports. So talk to me as you began to uh, move on in your life and you're growing up, you're uh, excelling in your sport and all the different types of things as you began to talk about, you're bringing new people and new people coming into your life and you're seeing a different way of living, a different way of thinking. As you begin to get exposed to those type of different ways, Jamar, how did it begin to affect you as an individual seeing and being around all of these different types of belief systems? Uh, yeah, it just, I think I was in a massive, my mind was still a sponge. Like I, like when we're babies, our mind is a sponge. I think I was still a massive sponge and I was still mm-hmm. developing and learning who I was. And we are every day but on another yeah. level back then. Um, and so I was just taking in and just saying, okay, I was starting to, and as I really am now, starting to not just depend on my parents for what I should believe in. I was mm-hmm. listening to anybody and everybody, not just saying yes to whatever I heard and saying, okay, that's me. But like saying, okay, that's something I could relate to. Like, for example, growing up, up until probably like sixth grade, I only listened to R&B music because that's all my parents were playing on the radio. I didn't yeah. have a phone yet. I, so it was just that. That's all mm-hmm. I knew. That's all I listened to. I didn't know there was really any other music, kind of, not really. And so yeah. once I started growing up, I was like, you know what? I kind of like this type of music, and I'm going to listen to it, <laughs> even though my parents don't listen to it at all. It was like this, like learning that, wow, there's more to offer than just what my parents think. There's more to offer yeah. than just what my parents like. And so I think I started to see that I can form and create my own life. I can decide things for my life that I want, even if my parents think it's horribly wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I started to understand that little by little, I didn't fully understand it, but like I can decide how to live my life. You know, like even on the baseball field, for example, I would play ball. My dad was a baseball player. And yeah. after the game, he would give me his analytical, like, this is what you need to be doing better. And then every now and then I'm like, I don't agree with that. And I'm going to keep playing <laughs> it this way, you know? And it was just a slowly but surely thing of just me understanding I can play this game of life how I want to play it. Even if somebody who has a little bit more wisdom and time I can still make a decision. Even if I end up horribly being wrong, I can make that decision for myself. That's uh, what life is all about. Everyone has to own their own journey, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my boys, I would um, I would say to them, hey, guys, I'm a little ahead of you <laughs> on this journey. Um, I have picked up and I've seen a few things, and these are what they are. But once they came to me with a situation, said, these are what they are. Um, from my experience and what I've gained in knowledge, um, this is the route that I would have, I would pick now with the knowledge. But without the knowledge, this was the route that I picked. Mm-hmm. Good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I can't, I, this is the thing I, I would say to them. I said, my desire and my hope is that you would not stay in that situation a second longer than is necessary. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, and whatever situation you find yourself, make sure that you put in the time to um, explore the way out because uh, the way out is there. You just have to look within yourself and you'll find it. And sometimes that's learning how to quiet yourself. I used to teach them how to meditate 
because meditation was one of the tools that I utilized. Um, you talked about music. There's this exercise I used to do with my kids when they were young men. Um, uh, I would hear them listening to rap and all these different things. And when we would have dinner, I would sit down with them and I'd put classical music on. And there was this drink, it's called port, um, a sweet after dinner wine and whatever. So I'd pour, had these little boys, 12 and, and younger, and we would I'd pour a little port in each one in their glass and we'd turn on classical music and sit there. And I remember um, looking, opening my eyes one day, and I'm looking at these little boys with their eyes closed, and they're having this glass of port lost in classical music. And so to this day, they tell me um, that I help open their mind to just different type of music, because I think music speaks to the soul of man, and it can bring... Uh, bring us out of a lot of uh, pain that we're in. So here you are, you're moving forward, man. In your life, you're gaining some stuff. You're learning about your identity, making your own decisions and so forth. Um, did you move into college and why did you t- pick this, uh, the field of study that you, you did? Yeah, so my whole life, it was, um, you're going to college. That's the messaging from my parents. It wasn't like mm-hmm. an option. It wasn't like a you're going to go after high school and you're going to spend four years in college. And you're going to graduate. It was kind of yeah. just like a, this is an, there's no other option. No option deal. <laughs> yeah. It's just, this is what you're going to do. Um, volunteering so, as they say in the army. <laughs> yeah. Just what it was. And so I kind of, but my parents were not just saying that, but then not supporting me with it. You know, my parents supported me and um, they took me on visits to college. Like throughout my childhood, mm-hmm. we were going on visits to college. We were like, all over the country, you know, they wanted me to like see all the possibilities. My parents never nice. were like, you're going to college, but you're going to this college. They're like, whatever you you pick, there might be different situations with one you pick, but whichever mm-hmm. one you pick, go for it. You know, they very much wanted me to have that college experience that they had. My parents both graduated from college um, and did stuff post-grad. So um, yeah. it was an experience they really wanted for me, but they wanted me to go to a college that I really wanted to go to. And so for me about in high school, I was playing baseball. I love baseball. Freshman, sophomore year, my thought process was whichever school offers me to play ball, that's where I'm going. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was my mindset. Yeah. Whoever offers me the most money or whatever is the fit, I'm going. That was my mindset. Um, junior year, um, I was still playing, but I was starting to have other thoughts about, you know, maybe I just want to be a college student. Um, yeah. And so it, it was a lot. And then you start getting coaches in your ear telling you what you can and cannot do. All this stuff, you start getting a lot of information the closer you graduate because people have their opinions. Yeah. And so then I got to senior year. I was captain of the, of the baseball team. Um, and so the, the, the decision was there. And coaches are mm-hmm. like, you should be playing college ball. You're good enough. You should be playing it. I also understood I wouldn't be going to a high-level institution if I was a player, yeah. be it my size and strength. I was a great ball player. But I was going to go to a small in-the-woods school to play ball. That's what it was. That was my situation. And I started to really like look within myself, like, do I want to do this every day? Do I want to allow this to be my purpose for the next four years? Because going to school to play ball, that's like, that's your job. It's not yeah. just the hobby you're doing on the side. You get to play the games with your friend. Like, it's no, this is your job. And I started to really pay attention to myself in practice. Like, I tended to really enjoy the games and mm-hmm. enjoy like half of the practices, but half of them I was like, I want to go home. And I was like, <laughs> you really want to do this for four years, you know? Yeah. And so. I was just like, no. And so senior year, I was like, no, I don't want this. And so when I hit senior year, I had my coaches telling me that I need to be playing ball in college. I had teammates saying, why wouldn't you want to play in college? I had all these things. And so I just had decided, like, look, I'm not doing this. I'm just not. Yeah. But I knew I love sports. And so I mm-hmm. decided I could maybe major in sports management. And so I then did all my research on schools that had good programs to work in sports. And I found one in Philadelphia and that was, and that was it for me. When I found that one school that um, had the great program for sports management, that's what I was doing. And um, I went and visited, fell in love with the campus and I went for it because it was something I knew I enjoyed and I wanted to learn about. I just didn't want to be in school learning about something that I didn't care yeah. about. So when you got there and uh, because again, you're going to be exposed to all these different types of especially in college, all these different types of belief systems and so forth. And Mm -hmm. as you are moving through your life and you're noticing a couple of things within 
yourself. And mm-hmm. I love, I love that when you, and, um, for a young man, you started looking within the self pretty early. A lot of us, um, hard headed people like me is way back in, you know, we get in our thirties and, and that's when we start looking at our, our situation and go, wait a minute, how did I get here? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you were probing yourself much earlier. So talk to me as you began to probe and, um, you are getting closer to graduation to come out. What was happening to you around that time? Yeah. Um, a lot happened to me in my four <laughs> years. Um, a lot. Um, so freshman year was a complete shock. You know, it was like mm-hmm. parents, no parents, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I still remember the day I got dropped off. I was like, wow, I can do whatever <laughs> I want right now. Um, and so I, it was a shock. It was a little lonely at first because. Um, I didn't know anybody yet. You know, I was yeah. just on this pool of young individuals, but didn't really have any friends. And so I remember the first couple months, I was just a little lonely. Just, but but it was it was a good lonely. It, it made yeah. me struggle a little bit. And I was going to school, you know, just figuring stuff out. But I was working extremely hard, so I was networking. I already had like a a, a job with the football team. I had this other job that I was about to get with the the major league baseball team in the area. Like I was working extremely hard. Because I was like, this is what I'm here to do. I'm leaving home. I'm I'm yeah. from Dallas, Texas. I went to Philadelphia. So it was like, I'm not about to waste this opportunity, paying yeah. lots of money. I'm not wasting this opportunity. So I was your working extremely hard. <laughs> What'd you say? So your parents will tell you too. Oh, you know? yeah, I, uh, shoot <laughs> on me. But um, so I was taking advantage of the opportunity, working really hard. And then towards the end of the first semester, and then like the second semester, I had lots of friends. I was just yeah. learning. Like I talk about sports and different cultures. Oh, it was just like people from all over the country were just in one and we're staying up just talking about life and different things like we disagree with. It was an amazing experience because it allowed me to open up my mind to even more mm-hmm. possibilities, more ways of life. And I'm just taking in what I think is me. And um, I like that freshman year is up there with one of just the greatest years <laughs> of my life, you know, just experiencing it all talking to different people. So that was amazing. And then I just started to become very independent, very um, innovative, very hardworking. I really came into my own because I just truly wanted to take advantage of my opportunity. And then sophomore year is when I had the idea of the podcast and I started to dwell in that, but it was kind of because of, I had went to this one conference the summer of my freshman year going into sophomore year, met Mm -hmm. my idol at the time, the lady who was working my dream job, said this speech to introduce her into the conference. And she was just telling me, you could you could do more than what I do. It was this eye-opening moment in my life because it was yeah. like, I very much impressed who I thought I want to be. And they were like, you can do so much more. It was this, I was like, what is going on here? Um, wow. And yeah, it was, I was like, what, what do you mean? And so that very moment happened. And then two weeks later, um, I get back to Philadelphia. I had to get my eyes done. Um, Long story short, um, I go to the doctor and they told me I had cancer and um, another eye opening moment for me. I was like, what is going on? I just took this year of school. It was amazing. I went to Mm -hmm. this conference, met my idol. She told me, Jamar, you could be better. And then I get life is telling me, you know, I have this life threatening disease. Family comes to me, you know, comforting me in this moment, runs all this test. Weeks go by, end up finding out types of cancer where, um, I can still live my life by taking a pill. I have to go through all this therapy, but I'm still like in this shock mode. I'm feeling like my life was like, you know, I think people, there's a different, there's certain types of people in this world who's dealt with like their life almost being gone. It changes Mm -hmm. their entire being. And so when I had this moment, I was like, okay, every single moment is so valuable. Like every moment, I'm not, I'm not wasting a moment here because at any moment I could get that call again, any moment. Yeah. My cancer is bad or whatever. Like I'm living my normal life now, but any moment something else could randomly pop in. I was getting my eyes checked out and they found the blood and saw it. And so from that moment on, I was like, okay, I'm not doing something. That lady said I could do more. Let's do more. Yeah. Let's be real. Did I really enjoy it? And so that's when it shifted for me. And that was like the moment in my college career. And then from then on, I was working my butt off to create something for myself, the podcast. I started to become very entrepreneurial. Um, and I just kept going and kept going. And a bunch of other stories happened in college. Enjoy the rest of it too. Met lifelong friends I'm still connected with. But that was the moment for me that changed my life for, forever during college. I tell people this um, all the time, Jamar, and I said it to you on the onset. 
than I believe a lot of people, I would say somewhere about 80% of us, maybe a little more, that live on our lives in, in a default. The default mm-hmm. to me, you know, you get up, you go to school, you go to, you know, the regular stuff that everyone does. And the next thing you know, you're 80, 90 years old and you're dying. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, what did you do with your life? And um, I'd worked in a skilled nursing facility and I met many of those type folks. And I remember um, listening to their story and uh, realizing that many of those people had never really even, don't even know anything, hadn't really gone on a journey of self-development and learned. You know, they had great stories as to traveling and stuff like that. You know, anyone could accumulate those, that type of data. But the data that I was looking for and that was getting me fascinating, fascinated was the data as to who are you? What are you about? And I and, and the deepness of us. And um, I call it the day of visitation. And I mentioned to you that it shows up in many different formats, sickness and disease, broken relationships, all of these different things, betrayal, all, you name it, thousands and thousands of them. But they come into our world, I believe, to get us an opportunity to inspect mm-hmm. what am I doing? What makes me happy? What gets me excited? What am I doing? You know, we begin to inspect. And as we dig deeper, we begin to come out of that phase that I tell you most people live in with default. They create by default. And then that awakening comes and we have a choice whether to go back into default or do we want to create by design. Design, in my mind, means that we are now purposely creating what I want. Mm-hmm. Not anymore, I'm just by default getting up, drinking, going to work, coming back. But you're creating there. I mean, I listen to all those people from their creation in their 90s and 80s when working there. But um, that was creation by default, but creation by design, man. Okay, you're a young man. This call came, this opportunity to inspect the self. As you began to look, Ajamar, what did you see when you start looking at yourself? What did you see? Well, first, the first thing I saw, I remember laying in my hospital bed, not knowing what type of cancer I had, um, seeing my parents come to my aid, you know, flying all the way from Dallas to Philly. I said, all of them, boom, you know, immediately. And I remember the feeling of, I'm not, <laughs> it's, it's great to say, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just not, yeah. I'm afraid to not be there for them. So I remember, yeah. okay, Jamar, you're meant to be here for people. You know, that that's part of something you're, you're meant to just to be a light in people, you know, that's part of why you're yeah, here yeah. because there was some peaceful thing about me that wasn't really afraid of whatever was going to happen because I can't control it. I can't. Mm-hmm. I just was afraid for what was going to happen after if that happened. And yeah. so that was the first thing I realized. I remember I have to, in some way, live my life for other people, but at the same time, live it for myself because I have to be happy. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember, you know, going about life and just saying, like, just do I, am I proud of how I'm spending my time? You know, it, is that how I want to say, okay, if this was it, is this how I want to say the story was? You know, yeah. I just wasn't comfortable with it. I wasn't comfortable with the path I was going on. It was, my path was great in some people's eyes and mm-hmm. it was weird in other people's eyes. It was all these things in other people's eyes. But I started to realize what they thought about my life had no effect of how I felt about my life. Mm-hmm. So I had to start living it with how do you feel about this decision? Does this decision allow you to be happy with every moment you take? Because yeah. I look at some of the decisions I was making in the past. It was, okay, if I make this, I know my dad's going to be proud of me. And yeah. while that's a great thing to say, are you proud of yourself? And I started to say, okay, we got to start rerouting and seeing where it takes us. Because as I did that, baby steps, I started to realizing the time I started putting myself first, all of a sudden I was helping more people because I was then mm-hmm. becoming a better version of myself. And yeah. so all those thoughts were on that bed, all those thoughts were after my diagnosis and going through life, all those thoughts were going through my head. And I just became hyper-focused with learning how to become a better person every day because doggone it, I don't know how much I have, but I'm going to be proud of the time I spend from now on. So that was that was my thought process. Purposeful living, man. It, it mm-hmm. becomes, you, you, become, you become a designer, a serious designer, mm-hmm. because you are looking at everything. You're looking at the outcome. You're the, as you, you mentioned, you're looking at the time uh, that is ticking, the value of that time. You understand it. And so you understand now that 
as you begin to rewire the thoughts and you begin to investigate your decisions as to why the outcome becomes more important versus, again, designed by um, a life by default. And, and, you know, it's okay. Now, you know, a lot of people live there and they're happy with it. But like I said, um, those that are awakened, having the opportunity to stand up and become aware of who you are. And as you begin to um, see these things, Jamar, and you talked about earlier that COVID entered. And I tell people that COVID came to many things like, like you, your story. There was a price that paid, I believe we called it in um, uh, on a global scale, I believe we called it in. People were crying out, exhausted, and the collective were crying out. We were all in pain. And I believe our prayers were answered, but this is the only way it could be answered to shut down the entire world. Mm -hmm. And so once the world was shut down, I believe many people had that visitation. They had, they were pregnant. You Mm -hmm. were pregnant. And if that situation did not come, I guarantee you most of those pregnancies would have never given. So today we're looking at a lot of podcasts. We're looking at people who are pregnant with books. People are pregnant with so many things that had not this um, this visitation took place to slow us down, to begin to evaluate what's right and what feels good in our life. People begin to migrate off of work, begin mm-hmm. to walk away from their job. They realize that they didn't value them enough. And they begin, entre- begin to become entrepreneur like yourself. Everyone that steps out of off of this wheel is an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It takes that mind to begin to um, put your thing together, begin to put all these different pieces together that create your podcast. So talk to us as to how did it, I know you said you were thinking about it, but how did it um, begin to materialize and crystallize when the first thought came? Talk to me when that first thought came to you and you said, ah, podcast, mm-hmm. talk to me about that. Yeah, um, it was always little seeds from other people, like just little mm-hmm. things. Um, I remember there was this one moment where I was sitting at work, um, and I don't, I don't want to say my boss. He wasn't my boss, but like somebody that was higher up, and he was just like, "Jamar, everything you do is so passionate." I just, it just stuck with me. I remember hearing it and just kind of <laughs> just stayed in my mind. And then I remember also like saying, "Okay, I'm gonna kind of do it." And this other girl had a podcast. She interviewed me on it, first time being interviewed, and I was like, "You know, I can, I can do." I asked, her, I was like, "I could do this." She's like, "Jamar, you could definitely do this." And um, I was like, "Yeah, I could do it." And then um. I remember being in this meeting and um, they were asking us about how we defined our school at Temple at my college. And everybody had these generic answers. And um, I had this very different outlook on how to define things. I was very against, you know, how we worded the word success. But I, whether you believed in me or not, there was people that were like, man, something about the way you were just talking, I was just fired up. And I was like, I appreciate <laughs> it, you know. And so I think those moments combined, I was like, OK, I got something here. Um, and I would also, like, I used to get on my phone and I would like say little like motivational messages on social media. <laughs> yeah. Some people thought I was weird. Some people thought I was, it was pretty good, but I kept doing, it. I was like, you know what? I'll just do this together in one thing. And so I just kind of just had all these things come together and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this. Especially after the stuff that had happened to me, I was like, I'm gonna yeah. do this. I'm gonna give it a try. And then literally like a month later, COVID hits and then I have no other choice but to do it because yeah. I was applying to all these internships, all these things. And obviously they all go away. And so I was like, and I'm the type of person, I can't just sit around. I can't, mm-hmm. I get that. That's, that's my dad. I used to be able to sit yeah. around and do nothing all day back in the summer. Mm-hmm. My dad is like, he can't just sit around. And so <laughs> when I, when COVID happened, I was like, I can't sit around. My mind will just be, uh, so I just sat down every day and practiced. You know, mm-hmm. and so it was a combination of all those people, little nuggets they would say, they didn't realize they were influencing me. And then just this, like, I know I can, like, I would listen to other podcasts. I'm like, I can do this, you know? <laughs> and so, but then I started practicing and I was like, oh, this is hard. But then I just kept going, <laughs> um, figured it How out. How was your first one? How did it materialize? How did you put that together, bring on your first guest? And what happened to you um, as you began? that first interview and that first well, guest. So my first season was actually by myself. And so mm-hmm. that was tough. So I, I'll take you to that and the first guest. And so my first season was just me talking. And so I yeah. writ, wrote all this stuff down. I had bought a camera and then I remember setting up the camera and I got my mic. This is probably the same mic. And, um, and I'm sitting in front of the camera and I don't know how to articulate. Like I can talk, but it was like, yeah. 
it's just me and the camera here. How am I supposed to interact with this thing? And I remember, I kid you not, I um, I was crying after trying to do it because I was like, I just felt so disappointed in myself. I felt like I couldn't do it. And literally, I remember going to my bed and I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I remember this. But there was like this little voice that was just like, just keep trying. Like, I just remember like, there was just like this, the back of my head, this 1% voice. Yeah. So if you keep going, you're going to like remember this and realize like, that you can do anything, but you just, you got to keep going. One day you're going to look yeah. back and be like, I'm so glad I kept going. Cause that was a moment where I was like, all right, this just ain't going to work. Because in the past I would try things out and the moment it got a little hard, I was like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. And I was like, you really want to do that again? And so I went through that and I just, every day got in front of the camera and I was horrible, kept going. And then eventually <laughs> I built up the confidence and I went through with it. I recorded a different episode every week and then I ended up putting it out later, but like I just went through it and it was bad at some points, but I just kept yeah. going because I truly believed in what I was doing. And then when it came to the second season, when I brought on guests, um, I was very like particular with who I wanted because I wanted somebody that truly loved what they did. And so yeah. with my show, it was more than just a podcast. It was a show. So I was going to their house. I was waking up when they got up and I was doing what they would do on the regular day. And so it was like this whole experience. So my first guest yeah. who is now, um, in the NBA G league, he's, a, he's, a, um, part of the, um, Los Angeles Lakers. And we went through his whole day in life before he even got that opportunity. And so I was mm -hmm. going through his day. I was lifting weights with him. I was going to the, to the court to practice. I got the same breakfast as him. It was like this whole experience. And I learned so much mm -hmm. from him, his work ethic. And so, but it was like, I was so thankful because he believed in my vision back when there was really nothing to say, okay, you should do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I went through with it, interviewed him and I was scared because I was like, I don't know how good I am as an interviewer. <laughs> But just went through it and it was amazing. And I've gotten so many compliments, but that in itself was like, I was nervous the whole time. And so each one came with its own set of difficulties, but it was just like this mindset of, I know this is part of what I'm meant to do. And so I got to just go through with it. Yeah, it's not easy. I remember in my case, I did similar to you, like you. The first year it was by myself. And what actually happened was I kept talking about, actually my brother kept, my younger brother kept telling me to do it, to do it, to do it. Because he did one um, for his work and he had started his own company and stuff like that. And he kept telling me, he says, you, you can do it, man. You ought to do it. And tomorrow would not. I was like, yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. One day that, that man showed up at my house, bought some Chinese food <laughs> with his equipment, hooked it up. And he's like, well, this is your first podcast. <laughs> and I remember getting, you know, sitting in my living room with him as he's doing my podcast. And I had the name, but I didn't do anything with it. And then I even pronounced the name wrong. I was so nervous. I was a mess, you know. And um, after he was just about to um, to put it out there, he, he played it back to me. And that's where I heard the uh, my the name of mispronunciation. He's like, you want me, want to do it over? I'm like, no, man, just let it go, let it go. I, I gotta because I I said if I start doing that, you know, it's not gonna happen. Just let let it go. And I throw it out there. My very first podcast ever, mispronouncing the name and everything. And it's been a couple of years now. I'm uh, this is my third, fourth season. I'm going into. Um, so yeah, it is. Look, man, I always say to people, find your passion and be passionate. Mm. The drug that they give to us or they have us hooked up to is that you can't live your life doing your passion. That is one of the biggest lies out there on this planet. It is designed to keep you where you are. But I, I believe that in, within your passion has the ability to sustain you. And I absolutely believe everyone if you look at anyone that is doing their passion and is passionate about it, they're making a living somehow. I used to say to my kids, if you want to be a garbage collector, you go and be the best. But while you're there within that space, look and see how you can do something different so that you can be able to manage and support your family. Nothing wrong with being a garbage collector, but once you're there, see what you can do different so that you can bring some income. And while you're doing that, you're going to be so happy because it's designed to sustain you and to move you forward and to change your life. Here you are. You're a young man. You got this podcast going and you're seeing and affecting and, and interacting with people as you're growing more and more. Um, I want you to talk to the young ones out there because you're a young one yourself. Mm -hmm. 
about those that are in that space where life is about to shift and they're feeling it, man, because you felt it for years, that uneasiness within you that is sitting there, even though you're performing at your other jobs and you're doing well. Talk to them right there, Jamar, because that's a, that's a tough place to be. It's a hard place to be because you're dealing with your fears. You're dealing with all the other things that are programmed within you. You don't want to disappoint your parents. You don't want to disappoint your friends. You don't want to disappoint yourself. I mean, all of this stuff you're mm-hmm. dealing with while you're here. Talk to them, encourage them as to what they need to look for right there. Well, my first thing I always tell them is nobody has it all figured out. We're all going about our day really yeah. not knowing what's going on. <laughs> we tro- like me, we we yeah. got some stuff, but we don't we don't have all the answers. We don't know. <laughs> and so, why do you think you have to have all the answers? Why do you yeah. think you have to have your whole life planned out? I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Be honest with you. I have to look at my calendar, figure some stuff out. But I don't really know what's going on. We're all day by day trying to figure that out. You can't feel bad for not understanding your entire life's purpose at 16, 17, 18 years old. You can't feel like I understand you are going to feel bad, but you shouldn't. And so my message is first understanding that. And then then you just have to start prioritizing, prioritizing your happiness, your life and the way you want to live it over people accepting you over making certain people proud. Those can be on the list of priorities. It should just never be number one. But once you start realizing that prioritizing yourself then prioritizes other people in the same way because then you're your best self, you start realizing those things, then you can start saying, okay, okay, then how do I actually like figure those things out? Like, how do I figure out what I'm actually going to do? feel like, Jamar, I feel like you're just saying random stuff. But it's like, okay, now that you understand that you have to make decisions for yourself and all those things, you got to understand it's going to take time. Like, there's no just walking two steps left, two steps right, and you'll find your passion. You'll find what you're meant to do. You have to just start deciding to be yourself and letting these things kind of attract to you while also trying new things out. You know, you're never going to find something if you don't go around trying things. You know, my grandmother used to always tell me, Jamar, if you don't try, you'll never know if you like it, you know? And so there could be a, a fruit that's your favorite fruit ever, but if you never try it, you'll never know what it could be. And I think that starts with being yourself and being willing to just be you regardless, because there's some things you'll never try if your best friend doesn't try it with you. Hey man, you want to go and try this thing? You want to try this sport? They say, no, you're like, okay, I'm not going to try it. You know, like I remember in college, I would go to concerts by myself because I wanted to experience it for myself. Not Mm -hmm. I needed somebody to say, yo, that's a good idea. You know, we should go do this. You have to start becoming so independent and willing to try things out. So independent and willing to be yourself no matter what. So you can then attract those things. It's very hard to find your passion, to find the things you like to do if you aren't first independent enough to be yourself. And so stop. I I think it's just like, stop trying to figure it out. Start trying to just figure out who you are first. You know, it's very hard. Like it's, it's very hard. It's like, there's layers to this thing. Like it's, there's layers and we're trying to figure out this and we haven't even done this yet, you know? And so the reason I found my passion at 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 such an early age, partially is just how life works. I can't explain it. But it was also because when I was 15, 16, I was analyzing certain things. You know what I mean? And yep. I started to figure mm-hmm. out, okay, this is Jamar. I yeah. started, I really at an early age understood I'm like this because my mom, my dad, my dad. I started to kind of know these things very early on. And if people can start just being aware, aware is the number one thing. If you can start being self-aware of certain things, it will only get you closer and closer. There's certain things you can't control. You can't control that person randomly popping in your life and then showing you this one. You can't control it. It'll happen when it happens. And you have to trust and all that stuff. If you can just, in the palm of your hands, control being yourself, saying, if I see something that spikes my interest, I'm going to try it, even if the whole world thinks I'm crazy. If you can if you can do that, the rest will just come. Like I, My big thing is controlling the controllable. I'm not going to be mad, sad about things I can't control because it's not for me to even, you know, I can't control mm-hmm. if somebody likes me, but I can control if I like myself. And yeah. so when I started liking myself, all of a sudden people like me naturally, not me trying to get them to like them. And so- my message to you is to be patient. Everything comes in due time. So maybe if you don't find your passion for the next 20 years, the next 20 of years, not you not having it will allow you to be so much more present when you do have it because you know how much it meant to have it. You know, it's understanding everything's happening for a reason, being patient, not putting your timeline matched up with anybody else because we all have our own journey, our own purpose and being so individual and then letting that become your way of helping other people. So just be patient. You know, you don't have to 
know things at 18 because the world says you have to know things at 18. You don't have to graduate college and know exactly what career you're doing for the rest of your life. Be patient because we're all on a different journey. I'm going to leave it there, man. I, I, there's nothing else I can say. Uh, Jamar, well, thank you for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. This has been really, really good. And I appreciate you coming and sharing your journey, man, because as a young man that is on the path, as I said, it's very exciting. And I, all of you guys who are listening to us, I want you to get into his space, listen to his podcast, get in YouTube. I actually watched several of those. Get into his space, learn about him, get into his mindset. He just laid down some heavy stuff to you guys and uh, you need to digest that. And then what you're going to do is change yourself and you will change this world. Again, thank you so much for coming, man. Um, And my Instagram is root of Jamar. If anybody wants to get in touch with me at R-O-T-O-F-J-A-M-A-R. Thank y'all so much. And I will provide all of that stuff for you guys so you have access to him uh, because I want you to chase him down. Begin to listen to his uh, stuff. Follow him on YouTube. Anywhere that you see him, get into his space. Share it with people. Tell your friends. Grow this young man's life and his business so that you can begin to make a difference. Thank you so much, sir, for coming. Thank you for the opportunity. No problem. Everyone who's listening to this broadcast. We hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you. But always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.